but also is their partner open to criticism because mm. do you want to tiptoe around the fact that it was only five minutes long and I didn't come and you did but I didn't come do we want to tiptoe around the fact that you didn't ask me what I liked do we want to tiptoe around the fact that you didn't try to make me come what are we going to tiptoe around because somebody's going to be tiptoeing around something because somebody's going to feel some some kind of sensitivity around it right so, yeah. or, you know, was his stroke game off or, you know, was his size, <laughs> not the size that you're typically used to, but do yeah. you want to make mention of that? There could be a whole bunch of stuff that you're not going to want to talk about because you're presuming that that person might not feel comfortable talking about it. Welcome to another episode of the Love God, Love Sex podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Heath Maxwell, joined by my other host. What's good, everybody? It's Jamie. Yeah, and we have an exciting episode for you today. We are talking about women's needs. I, when I think about that, I think about what a girl wants, what a girl needs. <laughs> who, who sang that song? Christina Aguilera. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Classic Christina, classic. Love Christina. Anyway, uh, we're talking about women's needs and what we as men and of any gender really can learn about how to explore and understand women's needs. And today we have a special guest with us. We have a marriage and family therapist who has well over 20 years of experience coaching families, coaching men, coaching women about how to communicate their needs and how to best represent themselves to their partner or partners. And that person with us today, their name is Sarai Manuel. Welcome, Sarai. Thank you. Thank you, Heath. I appreciate you having me on today. Um, good afternoon, Jamie. How are you? It's good to see you again or hear from you. Yeah, I'm well, ready to get into these women's needs. Yeah. I got I got a I got a few friends that I need to uh, have conversations <laughs> with on the heels of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So to the listener, uh, we normally do our shows are, are about 30 minutes uh, this episode just so you know we'll go a little bit longer because we want to give time to really uh in space to learn more and for said to give us her expertise and wisdom in this area so with that said let's get right into it let's get right into the interview said you know can you tell us a little bit about your background tell us a little bit about yourself and you know your qualifications and credentials um, well, so I'll start off with um, talking a little bit about my my background itself. Sure. Um, so I I'm actually a Cuban native. Um, yeah. So I've just been trans been transplanted to the United States when I was very little. So I carry a lot of the cultures of the Hispanic culture. They're still very active in a lot of the work that I do. Um, but yeah, I have acculturated to you know to the culture here in the United States, and so I try to kind of incorporate a lot of that stuff into the work that I do and helping couples to understand the differences. Oftentimes, um, couples come in mixed, um, and so their culture backgrounds may be very, very different. And sometimes it's understanding each other's culture, and it impacts their ability to be able to really communicate with each other um, because they're set in their family beliefs and their family traditions, mm. and that really kind of 
coming in from their cultural background as well. So I, I do a lot of that um, exploring with the families as well too. But I just did want to do a little bit of a correction. So I've been practicing for about 15 years. Um, okay. Great. Uh, licensed uh, in the state of New Jersey and looking to become licensed in Florida as well as I'm looking to expand um, my outreach. And um, I do a lot of work with uh, families, but I've also done work with at-risk youth, done work schools, I've done work with uh, trauma programs, I, I worked a lot with sexual abuse victims of all ages, uh, DV victims, and um, so a lot of individual work, and also family, lots and lots of family work, so, and that gets really complicated when you sit there and you talk to four or five people at the same time trying to get to a single point, um, so it takes its time, and, it's, and it takes patience, it takes a mm. lot of good listening skills, but mm. that's, that's me in a nutshell. Great, great, thank you so much. So, you know what, L let's get right into this, you know, We've said in the beginning of our podcast, we are two straight black men, right? Cishet uh, black males. And we obviously have had experiences with women ranging from marriage to uh, dating to hookups. And one of the things that's been a constant in our conversations in our women's circle with our women friends is really us trying to better understand their needs. For men, especially even in our males, our male circles, men's circles, you know, learning more about women's needs and the best way to serve your partner. We, we use that word serve a lot in the podcast. And we also use it in our conversations, Jay and I have with each other, which we think overflows into the work here and the movement we're trying to start here. So let's get into that. What are the best ways for men to learn about women's needs? So one of the things I always talk about um, in when I'm doing couples counseling is how are you communicating with each other, right? Because we communicate in very different ways. Um, and if you throw a rock at somebody, you're still communicating. You might, your message might be, I'm really angry at you, but it's not the most effective communication. Mm -hmm. um, so how, do, how are you communicating? And is that communication really effective? Um, are you communicating in a way that helps the other person become receptive to what you're trying to express to them, trying to get across to them? Uh, trying to help them to understand. And then along with that, or side to side with that is, how are you actively listening to what they're telling you? Or are you prepping a conversation um, because you really want to know what their thoughts and feelings are about what they have to say? Or are you preparing the next two or three questions before they even popped out or finished their answer? So are you actively listening to your partner when you really want to get to know them? Um, so effective communication requires both sides. You know, you have to really be willing to want to know what their, what their answer is. And then you have to really actively listen to what they're telling you, not with the expectation of what you think they're going to say, but really listening to what they're saying to the point where you can kind of repeat. Okay. So you said, what I heard you say was that you're really upset when I come home and the dishes are not done and the kids are all over the place and you're really tired and I'm asking for sex. Is that what you're yeah. saying? Did I get that correct? Those kind of things, you know, so those skills. Yeah, I, I was just going to ask you, I'm glad you did that because I was going to say, I don't know if people always understand what active listening, what the goal of that is. And it's really to understand, like, to make sure you're listening to understand. So I'm glad you. you right, exactly. Down. Exactly. Listening to understand. That's it. Right on the head. Yeah. You know, when you first learn about that, and I, I know when I first learned about it, you think it's so fake or cheap, right? Because what you're honestly doing or what it feels like you're doing is just 
parroting back to that person exactly what they said. And you're like, oh, that's just me making fun of you. You know, the game of copycat we did in third grade. And But actually, it's a very effective listening tool to show somebody that you can either paraphrase or verbatim for those who have really good memories. Everything that they said, it shows that that it's sunk in and it's it's not just like you know, right into the left and out to the right, but it actually is something that as now has anchored or a place with them. Well, let me let me jump in real quick because I'm yeah. I'm thinking about a scenario where, you know, it's late in the day. I'll come home after a hard day's work. And let's say we don't have kids, but we're married and I guess it just so works out that normally the wife has dinner ready, right? So I come home, there's no dinner ready, but she wants to talk to me about how she feels. And it's like, I need this part of me kind of ministered to before I put the, the ears on to hear you and understand, like, what can I do in that situation? And like, I guess, get out of what I want and get into what her needs are. Cause well, that's usually the thing, right? Like it's usually something that's blocking a, a person from really listening intently. You know, it's, it's something that they feel so wed to or that's really top of mind for them that they can't see past in order to really understand what the person's saying. So it's like, how do I get out of that mindset and become more of an active listener? So you're basically, if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like what you're saying is I, I need to get my own needs met when I get home before I'm ready to understand or, or, or be prepared to hear what your needs are. Is that correct? Well, I was I was just using that as an example because I know like that's what I'm saying. Sometimes it's it's somebody feeling like their own needs aren't met that doesn't mm. allow them to be understanding to their persons. Absolutely. So it's like how do you disconnect from that to become the active listener and really understand? So I, I think it's fair to say that whether you're working or you're a stay-at-home parent, your days are gonna be crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, right. Uh, especially when you have kids, but if let's say you don't have kids and you're working from home and somebody just, you know, your partner is, is not working from home, but they just got home. They've been dealing with traffic and, you know, so they've got all these emotions and everything else and, and they need a way to decompress and you also need a way to decompress, but the two ways are very different and they're not matching. So how do you, how do you reach a common ground of understanding yeah. to say, can we find a common way to decompress that's going to work for both of us before we're able to help each other get our needs fulfilled? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that comes out through conversation is that mm -hmm. I, I'm not ready to give of myself. Maybe your maybe your way of decompressing is to be able to do a quickie in the kitchen. Right. And then we can get on with our day or whatever. That's my way of decompressing. Let's just say, for example, <laughs> but maybe her way or his way is not that way of decompressing. Maybe they, you know, uh, if we're doing using traditional roles, maybe the, the woman's way of decompressing is to really feel like I need to tell you about the crazy stuff that happened today yeah. at work. I need to talk about this, right? That's her way of decompressing. Um, so the two do not do not match. And she's feeling like, I'm so worked up right now. I cannot give you what you're looking for because my headspace is not there. So is there's this level of understanding that if those two ways of decompressing don't match, where is it really coming from? Is it because, mm -hmm. you know, the way that she connects with sex is completely different than the way that you connect with sex. And if mm -hmm. that's the case, communicating that out is really the, gonna be the best way to be able to kind of resolve and get to a medium ground, right? 
because sometimes I think our partners are willing to cross that line of what makes them feel comfortable in order to make their partner happy. If there's a level of understanding, this is not going to be all the time. This is going to be some of the times because mm-hmm. I know that you're willing to give me what I need some of the times when it's yeah. different than what you need. Right. So there's mm-hmm. that compromise that kind of comes into play. Yeah, not a, not a very big word in male vocabulary. <laughs> Compromise, like, ding, ding, ding. You know, I, I always share with he, you know, and I say this about everyone, but I really mean it about men mostly. It's like men are not built to go without. If there's something that we want, we will find a way to get it at all costs. And it doesn't always serve us in the best way. But but the but the idea of compromise is is I guess it's kind of an impediment sometimes that, that men have. But that's I guess that's another question. What other what what do you think on the women's side are some impediments uh, to to communicating their needs, especially like their sexual needs? Uh, I for me I think I've come across a lot of just not feeling heard. I, I think that's really really huge, and I really think that's rooted oftentimes in the fact that as women. Um, and as, as little girls, we, we increase our vocabulary, um, you know, <laughs> before, before we're two years old, we have this huge vocabulary already compared to boys. Um, and just as a gender, I think there's also a social expectation that women are going to talk more, we're going to communicate more, we're going to always have something mm-hmm. to say. And that's not always looked at in a positive way. But I think because we've also walked into and accepted that as our role, not just because society says so, but because we've actively accepted it, we oftentimes want to feel heard. So we need to talk about what's going on. And it's not just saying what we need or saying what we want, but feeling like you actually give enough of a care to (laughs) understand what we're saying, listening, and actually following through with it, right? Um, I remember having conversations with Heath in the past and I'm like, and I'm like, you know, talking about whatever, whatever. And he's like, well, yeah, I remember you telling me about this. And I would be astounded. You remember I, I, I talked about that? I was like, that is such a high, right? Because it's like, oh, my God, somebody heard what heard the me. hell I had Somebody to was say. listening, yeah. And, yeah, and it was important enough for them to even remember what I said. It wasn't just like, mm-hmm, uh-huh, uh-huh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, yep, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It wasn't the filler words. It was Trying actually- Trying to push your head down to the lap, like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, 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 You really were listening. You remember what I had to say. You care. And that's, that's what it translates to. You care, right? Yeah. So it could be even insignificant conversations, but just the fact that you're feeling heard and like somebody's really there, that, that you're more than just a piece of meat to somebody else, that they care about who you are as a person, an individual, um, that you are actively tied into this person's life mm. um, outside of just the sex. That's huge. It's huge. Women want to feel multi-dimensional they want to be seen as not just your wife or your partner my girlfriend they want to be seen as your companion your your the person that you trust um the person that you come to for issues uh the person that you're going to plan your life out with all those kind of things and so that that comes into play when you know you actively play that role of listening and making them feel like they're hurt because now they feel like they're part of your life and you're part of their life. And we're, we're doing this together. No matter what it is that we're doing, it's together. And that's huge. <laughs> and it goes a very, very long way. This idea of doing things together, of listening, and that seems to be the anchor for everything. 
have you in your practice and in your experience found places or times where a woman does have a good partner, does have a good listener, but there's still difficulty communicating sexual needs? I mean, because one of the things that I, I, I would hope that we as men learn and continue to learn is that there are sometimes other things and influences and forces that are impinging upon or interacting with your relationship, the dynamic between, in the case of traditional monogamy, between you and this other person. So, you know, can you give us some cases of where some women at times may have a good partner who's listening, but the sexual needs are still difficult to communicate? What should men know? What should we know about what's behind that and, and how to be more sensitive to whatever those, those things are? So that, that's actually a really excellent question because, right, there, there's, again, there's so many layers to a person, right? It, and oftentimes, and we talked about cultural differences, right? So I'll, I'll give you, for example, an example of the Hispanic culture. For the most part, traditionally, women are seen and have been seen for a very long time as kind of the object of um, fulfilling the man's desire in the home, right? So uh, I know I was raised, I was raised that it was kind of like the man, the man is the head of the household. Um, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. you have to make him happy whenever you cook dinner because the wife is the one that's expected to cook dinner, yeah. right? That she serves him first. That, you know, all these kind of like little things. So even yeah. in our culture, there's this expectation that the wife was built to serve the man. And the flip side of that is that the man, there's expectation that the man is supposed to enjoy sex, but the wife, not necessarily. Um, it's almost like taboo. It's almost like, you know, you're supposed to have one partner and it's supposed to be fulfilling that person's needs. And of course, religion plays a huge role in that yeah. too, and quieting oh, yeah. the woman's voice. And so there isn't a lot um, of exploration that's really allowed for the women in our Hispanic culture because it's, it's looked upon as, you know, you're going against what our traditional beliefs are about the woman's role. So that those things have a, have something to do with it. So how do I express what I really like, what I don't like, X, Y, and Z, if number one, I'm not supposed to have had that much experience. So mm. what am I talking about? Number two, um, sex for a woman was seen as more taboo, but it was more widely accepted for, for men. So for a woman to talk about sex is really not... Uh, really ladylike. It's really not accepted as something you should be doing. Um, and if you are, then you're categorized, right? So you're placed mm -hmm. in a negative category or looked at in a negative light. Well, why are you talking so much about sex? Then it goes back to the whole idea of how many sexual partners have you had? And mm -hmm. that becomes that taboo subject. So there have been so many things within culture and religious beliefs that shut a woman's voice down. And so many women fall into that, that they're like, okay, I'm not, I'm just not going to talk about it because I'm not really allowed to talk about it. I'm not supposed to talk about it. I'm not, that's not my role. I'm not really supposed to be open about these things. Cause if I am open about these things, then I'm going to be looked at and labeled as a slut, uh, a this, a whore, you know, all these negative things. And it doesn't just come from the men in the culture it comes from the women in the culture as well. So it's supported doubly by all these people around us by our family members by our friends by all these people that subscribe to these belief systems and it really shuts the woman's voice down so how do i talk about it when it's not been ever encouraged for me to talk about it 
My mom never talked to me about sex. Did I watch a lot of telenovelas with her? Absolutely. Um, so there were some kind of things that you kind of pick up there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there yeah. was never open discussion. Never open discussion. Yeah. Um, it is much more, a little bit more, I think I have found in the American culture to talk about sex more openly, but in a lot, not just the Hispanic culture and other cultures, it's really taboo, um, especially talking about those things with your daughter. Um, I think it's encouraged from father to son, but it's not really mm -hmm. encouraged from mother to daughter, even to even start to, having discussions about safe sex those kind of things are kind of like yeah. uh, if i talk about it it's going to encourage them to want to do it you know and these old ways of thinking kind of come into play in parenting and all that stuff so it's just it's not really shared in families as it really should be and when it's shared it's among jokes and jeers and and you know people kind of just make fun of it so it's yeah not yeah really seriously so For how sure. do i do it how do i do it how do i talk to my partner as yeah. a woman about my sex needs, my sexual needs, what I like, what I don't like when um, I've been afraid to talk about it for so long. So mm. what I do is I, I really encourage, number one, you have to encourage self-exploration, right? How do you tell somebody what you like if you don't know what the hell you like in the first place? Mm. And, if, and if you were never encouraged to, how would you know? So yeah. 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 Masturbation is definitely taboo. So, but that's how we start to explore our own likes and dislikes. But if we're mm. not encouraged or if we're not, you know, if that's seen as something, you know, that, you know, religiously uh, we should not be doing, then yeah. how do we explore what we even like? And so oftentimes women get trapped in relationships with some guy uh, five minutes down the road, it's done and over with. She didn't even know what the hell happened. Is it over? Mm. Did it start? Where, was I here? Uh, <laughs> you know, who was in it? Like, <laughs> what who happened? Was That's it? Yeah. Um, and then they fall into this trap of boosting up a guy's ego. Like, yeah, it was great. I, I don't even know what happened, but it was great. No, you were fine. No, you were good. Yeah, five minutes. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm sure that's, you know, typical. Uh, and then wait, wait, can I jump? Can out. I jump in here really quickly? Because where does where does that come from? I like those are the types of curiosities I have. Is like, what makes you feel like you have to stroke this guy's ego? Honestly, oftentimes it comes from women are just natural nurturers, right? And mm -hmm. so we we don't like to have people's feelings hurt because you know we we can pick up on feelings being hurt, right? And so. Uh, because we that's one of our ways of communicating right being able to see and understand people's body language and those kind of things and so I think there's a natural tendency to want to keep a relationship um, by kind of stroking the ego of your male partner in sex number one because it could backfire and they could say well what, you know you know why do you know so much about what should or shouldn't be happening Right? This happens a lot more with, with the younger generation with the older than with the older generation, obviously. But then the other piece is too, you know, you want to keep a relationship, uh, maybe for, you know, whatever your own personal reasons are, but the sex isn't really what you like out of the relationship. There's a tendency for women to kind of put that aside and say, okay, I, I'm not really okay with the sex but all these other pieces work or I can make them work or, you know, and so they kind of put that to the side and they don't explore that further with mm. their partner, mm. but also is their partner open to criticism? 
because mm. do you want to tiptoe around the fact that it was only five minutes long and I didn't come and you did, but I didn't come. Do we want to tiptoe around the fact that you didn't ask me what I liked? Do we want to tiptoe around the fact that you didn't try to make me come? What are we going to tiptoe around? Because somebody's going to be tiptoeing around something because somebody's going to feel some some kind of sensitivity around it, right? So, yeah. or, you know, was his stroke game off? Or, you know, was his size <laughs> not the size that you're typically used to? But do yeah. you want to make mention of that? There could be a whole bunch of stuff that you're not going to want to talk about because you're presuming that that person might not feel comfortable talking about it. And in most uh, cases, you, I don't know. Do men feel talk, comfortable talking about You're, you're opening up Pandora's box. We love this. We love <laughs> this. Yeah, yeah, she's she going in. Stones and some fire. So because I think, that, you know, Heath and I talk about these things on a regular. Those are things that guys really need to be open to hearing yeah. feedback about. You know, we have a whole episode where part of it is dedicated to the feedback that comes with being becoming a great lover. You, you can't be a great lover without becoming a great lover. And in the becoming, that's where the listening skills come in. Mm. So you have to be open to hearing about your stroke game. You got to be open to hearing about, I would actually like this to last longer. I enjoyed yeah. it, but I just, yo, if it was an extra 10 minutes, I wouldn't have been mad. <laughs> You know? Yeah, for, for yeah, we talk about that, the importance of feedback. And it's so great that you started off with listening because listening is the hallmark or the anchor of being a great lover in and outside of the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And I think, for sure. like you said, most of us haven't or aren't dealing with the outside of the bedroom stuff. What happens in the living room? What happens in the car? What happens on our way to our mother-in-law's or, or, or you know, to go visit your sister at college? And then because we're not doing it there, we end up not having the skills of doing it inside the bedroom where like you're saying, these payoffs are not happening for women because you know, you don't know how someone, you can't hear someone saying, Hey, look, man, that actually didn't do anything for me. That actually bothered me or that actually is not what I like at all. And if you like it, that's cool. But look, you know, can, I, I need some reciprocity here. I need some orgasm equality as Jay and I like to talk about. You know, because it's not doing it for me. When you speak to women in your in in, in your cipher and, or, or in your practice, what is the listening skills in the bedroom that they want? You know, men to develop because because I, I know you worked with couples and I've known you worked with men and women. How does how do can you give some advice to a man or to the men listening? How do they prepare themselves? to listen in that bedroom scenario. When someone has to say, look, man, your size doesn't work for me. Now, you know, that doesn't mean that it's a no-go. It just means we have to adjust. How does a man, you know, how does he build up himself internally to do that, you know, from a clinical perspective? You kind of touched on it already, Heath, when you talked about what happens before you get to the bedroom. That's where the magic happens. Uh, I mean, it really depends on what you're looking to get out of the situation, right? Because if it's a if it's a one and done, there's really nothing to talk about. We're not going to say <laughs> five minutes, ten minutes, have this conversation about what you're going to do different for the next girl because we're done. You know, if it didn't work out, didn't work out. See you later, bye. Don't call me. Erase my number. I'll put you on hold. Whatever. Uh, but if you're looking to have a relationship and keep a relationship with somebody, those conversations happen so many times way before you get into that bedroom and it begins in so many different ways right like Jamie had started in the beginning you know when I come home 
this is what I need. Yeah, those are conversations. All those conversations, those type of conversations, or like he said, you know, on the way to the mother-in-law's house, those conversations, all of that kind of stuff lead into the bedroom, inevitably, inevitably, because I will guarantee you, if you had a bad conversation or argument with her three, four, five hours ago, <laughs> there's no way that you're going to get any good stuff in the bedroom. And she's going to be sitting there thinking about, she got to fold the laundry, do this, do that, while you're over there trying to make fireworks. And she's like, she's face because her mind's not there, her heart's not there. She's still angry about you, about that stupid shit that you said three, four, five hours ago because you don't goddamn listen. So it all starts way before the bedroom. But then after the bedroom, I think after the event, I think those are really good times. If if you've had some started conversations before the bedroom, you use that bedroom time to really explore. You know, that bedroom time is, listen, if you, I've only got five minutes right now, we only got five minutes. But if we're really going to make an event out of this, then we're both going to be here for each other. And that means really completely being present in the moment for each other. It means like, what do you want to do? You want to try something different. It means, you know, maybe exploring some stuff before you go into the bedroom. Um, not, you mm. know, uh, not everybody is or uses porn as a tool. And mm. there's a lot of pros and negatives about it, mostly negatives, but it can be used as a tool. And there's other things, you know, obviously there's toys and there's so many different toys, you know, there's just things as simple as just different flavoring, anything mm. that'll that'll bring some kind of excitement, um, simulations, different activities. There's role play that you can use anything to stimulate the mind and the body for a woman. That's huge, right? Mm, because the card games, the dice. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All of that. Yeah. Her mind, if her mind doesn't go into it ready, it doesn't matter what you were doing. It's not going to do anything for her. Her mind really has to be part of this experience. So when they mm. say, well, her mind, that's really what it is, right? You know, it's not about the length, the width, um, or the stroke game. It's really about also how you have stimulated her mind and brought her completely into this experience. So it, this is really um, an exercise for, for really getting to understand a woman's body and her needs on completely different levels than just what's happening for that next 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour if you're lucky. Um, you know, time, you, you gotta, you got to invest, you got to invest in her way before that. Yeah. 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 That's, that's definitely, wow. Yeah. I, I was going to say, I like how you brought the, the mental aspect into it and, and how you talked about eventizing these types of scenarios. Cause it's like, I don't think a lot of times men give a lot of thought to how to make an event out of spending time with your person. You know what I mean? Like, I think for us, the event is the sex. So it's mm. like once that happened, the event is over, the time spending is over. And sometimes yeah, yeah. it's like, this is what we're talking about. It's like on the front end of that, what are you doing to build up to this, your part of the event? You know, what's the, whatever the crescendo is for you. And then you come down, but it's like, there's two sides on like it's almost like a sandwich for women but it's just one dish you got these two sides on the you know the meat in the middle is i guess the sex for us but it's what are you doing on the front end and on the back end of that to like really make it a whole event yeah that's what yeah. creates a casanova 
Yeah, yeah. You know, it's so funny because I hear people nowadays in the tech industry talk about user experience, right? So if I send you a product, sure. <laughs> yeah, like I send you a product yeah. through FedEx, you know, how does it arrive? What does the box look like? What is the coloring? What is the paper? If there's something wrong, how does the customer service, you know, all that's part of the user experience with your product as opposed to, well, I got the product, I put it on, I connected it and it worked. Well, what if it doesn't work? Well, then when I picked up the phone and called customer service, were they kind to me? They say, look, we'll take care of it. No problem. Just send it right back to us. So don't even worry about throw that in the garbage. We'll send you a new one. And so, right, this idea of, of what, what I think you're both saying is this, this, this sense of user experience. What is someone going to experience from moment to moment before, middle, and after? And, you know, said, I think that's very powerful. You know, you mentioned something I wanted to, to, you to expound upon. I have been in that situation. I've pissed my lover off. I've pissed my partner off. And, you know, we might have been flirting before that. And, you know, you're thinking, okay, I know we've had a little road bump. When I get home, it's, you know, it's time to clap cheeks. But then she's like, nah, homie. I, I think one of the things I was always, I was poor at at one point in my life, in my relationships, is how to mitigate and stop the argument from snowballing. And you mentioned that, right? We're on our way somewhere. How do you get involved and do you recommend men or the, the women's partners get involved and, and stop the argument and start create healing? I think for everybody, you know, it, it's going to be a, a different situation, right? Because some things have to be put off. Whatever the situation is, some things mm. have to be put off. You can't deal with it right away. But you know that those feelings are going to still be there. So when's the next soonest time that you can deal with it? So you're at an event and some, yeah. you know, something happened and maybe the best thing would have been to talk about it there because of the event you can't. So now you have to wait until you get home. What are some of the other signs that she's giving you that she's not okay and that she's willing to wait to deal with it? You know, what's her body language saying? What are her eyes saying to you? Um, or what is she directly saying to you that maybe you need to stop everything and, and kind of give it a little bit of time to yeah. say, I, I, I'm so sorry. I really, I really, really want to talk with you about this right now. I'm stuck in X, Y, and Z, and I want to give you the attention that you deserve, that this deserves but I just can't right now, right? Can can we agree to set a time, talk about it, but at least giving that acknowledgement that you're that you know that it's bothering her and that you're willing to still have that communication with her. I think what happens a lot of times is that the discussion, the topic becomes so challenging that there's a tendency to want to run away from the topic mm. because you're not ready to talk about it because maybe your own emotions are are impacting your ability to do so but as men you having a you know you're raised to not really talk about those kind of things so how do you deal with your own emotions when you're not True. you never really were you know taught to deal with them and now you have to learn how to deal with hers well i you know so again um it's really about this situation too but i think uh what it comes down to is there has to be preparedness on both sides, right? When you go into a relationship, this is not about you make me happy, you're beautiful, um, we, we have a great time whenever we're together. That's a part of it, but that's superficial. There's so much work that goes into a relationship. It's ridiculous. And it's day-to-day -day process, right? You know, you might have two or three days that are really, really great, and then the next five suck because something happened that was out of your control, out of her control, and that requires you to put some work into it. And like everything else, if you're not willing to put any work into it, you're not going to get anything out of it. So how do you how do you deal with that challenging conversation? 
I, I think you have to set time aside. Number one, you have to, it, both partners have to do individual work, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're not in a good space, you're not bringing good, good conversation into whatever it is that you're going to discuss. And if she's not in a good space, the same thing, right? You're not going to have a meeting of the minds. And sex comes into play. It's just as an important part of the relationship as anything, any other decision you're going to make. Sweet. And it should be discussed, right? It shouldn't be an expectation of we're married or we're in a relationship. I expect to get head or I expect to, to get this, right? No. There, yes, you might feel that way, but unless there's a meeting of a mind, uh, minds about that, it's not going to happen. She's going to have different expectations. You're going to have different expectations. Yeah, and it comes from, sure. again, your, your upbringing, your personal beliefs, your religion, all this other kind of stuff that if you haven't had prior conversations about, it's going to impact everything else that you're doing and your sex life, right? So that sex piece is is huge, but you got to be able to verbalize all these other things that come to play with it all. It's not, if you're, if you're looking just to be able to have your five minute quickie, it is what it is, but you're really looking to have a relationship where sex is an important part of that relationship. You got to build those other pieces up because without it, you're not going to get anywhere. And it's going to be a continuous circle of, of disappointments all the time. Mm. I don't even know mm. if I answered your question. No, no, you did. You, 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 you totally did. Totally did. But yeah, I, yeah. To me, yeah. it's always about what else are we missing in this conversation that's going to lead or detract from you and I feeling good with each other. Because if we had an argument, but I know at the end of the day, we're gonna resolve it, we're gonna come to an understanding, then I know that makeup sex is gonna be great. Mm. I know that that coming together time is gonna be fabulous. It's gonna be fireworks because we had a challenge and we faced it head on and we faced it together. And that speaks volumes of the way that you value me as a person in this relationship so that sex is going to be outstanding Mm. but if we have this argument and i know that you're just going to walk away from me for the umpteenth time we're never going to resolve it but you're still going to expect sex i'm going to be resentful as hell and it's not going to feel good yeah maybe maybe you get off but for me it's not going to be good because i'm not there we're not there i don't feel together with you i don't feel partnered with you and it makes Mm. a difference and vice Mm. versa i know we use traditional roles here but Sometimes it's it's that way for men. Sometimes women yeah. want sex this way right now, and the man's like, "I'm not there, and mm. I can't give it to you the way you want it to right now. I'm not there." It works both ways, for sure. Which for is sure. so powerful. Which I mean, I feel like that's so powerful because a lot of times, like you said, men are not really expected to have a a sexual personality. Our personality is what the equipment we show up with. Or, or at least that's what we put our personality into. And it's like, sometimes we actually want the person that we are to be loved and, and to be made love to before our body feels that, or in addition to the physical that we're feeling. Mm, mm, mm. Like you said, if, 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 if I'm not there, my body's not going to be able, be able to perform at the level you want me to, because I just, I'm not there. Right. And if she's not, if she's not understanding of that, when we have that conversation, then it becomes demeaning and then you feel devalued in that. And so, and, and that's just going to push you further away from even wanting to attempt another conversation with that person, because you're not, you're the one that's not feeling hurt at that point mm. in time. 
Mm. And then uh, she's going to make fun of me. She's going to go to her friends. She's going to have this conversation. She's gonna on, am I going to be in the group chat? Talking all this smack about seven different positions in 70 minutes. He gave me seven seconds. Couldn't even get it up halfway. And that's, yeah. you know, the reason why I'm saying this or, or you know, kind of highlighting it is because a lot of times I feel like men, men and women really go through a lot of the same things. It's just we experience them in different bodies. Yeah. Exactly. I was talking to somebody about this the other day. I said, you know what? You're both describing the same thing, but you literally just described the elephant's trunk and you described the elephant's tail. It's still the elephant. We're still talking about the same animal. Mm, yeah. You're describing it from your different points of view. But if you're not able to get to that point where you're having this common conversation, you're going to think you're talking about two different things, but you're really, in fact, talking about the same exact thing. Mm-hmm. it's from your points of view and that's okay it's okay to have your point of view but how do you get to that common ground it doesn't mean you have to agree on everything you can still be individual but but get to that common ground where your understanding it really is the same same thing that we're talking about yeah. just from different yeah. perspectives and that's okay you know said you've well first of all just thank you because you've come yes. to this podcast and you were raw and honest and that's uh, what Jay and I appreciate. In fact, the name of our first episode is Honesty Changes Everything, and it's a core value of what we're trying to do with this podcast, and it's an extension of how we try to be with each other as friends. We believe that honesty just opens the door to healing, even if it may sting or it feels awkward or weird, but it puts you in check, and being put in check allows you to grow into that person that you need to be for yourself and for others. So just thank you for taking time to come out here and speak with us today to share your experience, share your expertise, and most importantly, share your heart. Yes, the Lord Lord used you, (laughs) as we like to say it. It was a lot of fun, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Before we go, we want to let everyone know, thank you for listening to this episode. Uh, We have an email. Email is connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T, at lovegodlovesexpodcast.net. Connect at lovegodlovesexpodcast.net. Before we go, Sadae, do you have any final words, anything you want to say to anyone before we go? And then you, Jay? Uh, No, I think I said a lot already. Yeah, thank you. Jay, you? Well, well, I would say, I I feel like it it is worth reiterating that my biggest takeaway today is just like, you know, communication is cliche, but communication and patience, listening skills are really just like the bedrock of, you know, having, creating the type of relationship that that has long-term potential. So, you know, these things might sound like you've heard them before, I'm sure you have, but it's worth reiterating and like revisiting the, those principles because that's really what's going to sustain you. For sure. Well for sure. said. Well said. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks again, Sarai. And thank you everyone for listening. See you next episode. Take care. Peace.